It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. There's magic in the air because my guest is award-winning illusionist Rick Thomas, who will be performing at the South Point Casino February 24th through 26th, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 7.30. For ticket information, go to southpointcasino.com. And for everything about Rick Thomas, go to rickthomas.com. And you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And Rick, welcome to the show. Haven't seen you in a while. It's been a while. In fact, you may know better than I do how long we've known each other. Oh, but it's been right. a <laughs> yeah. I, I forget when you said because you've been in Las Vegas. You were in Las Vegas for fifteen solid years. You were at the Tropicana, I think. I'm going to have to guess here. Nineteen. Uh, I don't want to misstep. I think it would be like ninety. Ninety three, I believe. Ninety three. Okay, thank you. Yep. So that's when we first met. So you look great, yep. and I, I age in place. So there you go. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate it. And thank you again for having me on. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, a lot of people, and, and even to this day, say, Rick, where'd you disappear? <laughs> <laughs> which, is a, which is an illusion, isn't it? Because you haven't disappeared. You've been touring worldwide. You're also doing shows in Branson, Missouri. And we'll talk about all that. I always usually ask a magician guest a question. And it's always about how they developed an interest in magic. I'm not going to do that with you. I have a better question for you, which is, after all these years of performing, how do you maintain an interest in magic? I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the magic anymore. Magic is the, it's what I, I rely on. I mastered my art a long time ago, but my joy is the couple hours that I have in somebody else's life to bring joy to their life. Uh, really, I mean, magic is the vehicle, but truly it is, an, in fact, every Every night before I go out on stage, I literally say to myself, I stand behind a curtain or wherever it may be, and I look across the show I'm about to present, and I say to myself, how lucky I am to still perform one more show. And that's how I look at it. I walk out on stage, hoping and praying <laughs> that the audience is going to like me. <laughs> There's a word for that, Rick, and you've had it for all the years that I've known you, and for all the years you've been performing, you may not necessarily focus on that word, but I think it, the word is gratitude. Uh, it is. I am I'm extremely grateful. Uh, I, I've been in the industry now 45 years, and I've given it everything I've got. And um, when I moved from Vegas, and they actually asked me to move to Branson, we'll, we'll share that story in a bit. Sure. I, I never really planned on the move or even staying there. And, uh, and I fell in love with um, the area. And I also realized I've been very lucky in my career. I've toured this world. I've seen this world five times over. And I realized that no matter where you are, that's the most important place you need to be at that very moment. Everybody's the same. Doesn't matter if the audience is in Las Vegas, Branson, Japan, it doesn't matter. That audience is the most important audience and everybody is the same. In fact, I realize that most people from Branson go to Las Vegas anyway to see the shows. <laughs> so they're going to see me there or Branson anyway. That is very 
That's very wise. It's a wise observation. It's the idea that no matter where you are, you're there and you bring yourself to wherever you are. And you could look at it two ways. One is in a negative way. Well, I don't want to be in A. I'd rather be in B. But you say, hey, I don't care whether I'm in A or B. I'm where I need to be. I am here and I'm going to give it my all. And as you said, I'm going to go out on stage one more time and hope the audience enjoys it. And obviously they do. You've been doing this so long. It's amazing to me that you've had this large career. Can you talk a little bit about how important it was for you to establish your presence in Las Vegas those many years ago? And you, you, you stayed here for 15 years. That's a pretty long tenure. That's an amazing run. Yeah, I hope, um, it is. Uh, it is. Uh, you know, before Las Vegas, I started, I performed on cruise ships. I actually performed on, oh, you're not going to believe it. I performed <laughs> on over 300 cruises. <laughs> Count them. 300. <laughs> then I started doing fairs and theaters across the United States. Uh, I actually ended up in Guam at a place called the Sand Castle. And I was there for the better part of six years, honing my craft. And finally... Uh, my move was to Las Vegas. I grew up in Long Beach, California, and I always, always wanted to perform in Las Vegas. In fact, when we'd drive through Vegas, I'd tell my parents, I'm going to perform here someday. I'm going to be here someday. In fact, I can guarantee you I performed at the, I pointed at the Tropicana. <laughs> and the first theater I was in was the Tropicana. And then, of course, there were many other theaters and uh, casinos I had the privilege of performing in. Uh, I got to tour Las Vegas as well. What was the reaction to your parents when you said that, when you pointed up to the trop and you said, listen, one day I'm going to be here, or just in general in Las Vegas? Well, what was their reaction at the time? Were they supportive, or um, did they say, well, that's a nice dream, and that probably won't happen? Or, yeah. <laughs> I think they were extremely upset I wasn't going to be a doctor. Ah, okay. <laughs> or, or, or a lawyer. <laughs> or or work, something, work. <laughs> something that was beyond the world of magic. I mean, magic is an amazingly strange art form. Often I'll say, uh, they'll say, what do, you, what do you do? And I say, I'm a magician. And they'll say, well, what instrument do you play? Because they don't quite, it doesn't kind of click. They're like, right. magician or musician? Because it is such a, a fascinating art form. It has been Rick Thomas his entire life. Now I'm talking third party. I right. grew up performing magic. I started when I was seven years old. My first professional gig was 17 years old performing my own show at the Disneyland Hotel for two years. So I know the industry. It is what I am, and it's who I am. I basically know nothing else. It's, am but, it's an um, amazing story. Because you're a hands-on performer, what I mean by that, it's not just the performance part, but you're hands-on on all elements of Rick Thomas, production, advertising, promotion, just everything. That's the way I remember you. Have you eased <laughs> off the reins a little bit and given it to some other people down the road so you don't, you can concentrate just on that? Or are you always going to do that because you, you love all elements of, of working with, with oh, the state? Oh, actually, it's gotten worse. <laughs> and let, let me tell you why. So, so yes. In fact, many people, they can't believe that they see me uh, on stage. I've always felt that um, I don't want my cast and crew to ever feel like uh, I'm giving them something to do that I'm not willing to do myself. So I'm always right there by their side constantly. And one uh, night, uh, about four years ago, uh, I was out on tour and our semi-truck couldn't make it to the theater. Uh, the driver had a problem and there was no way we could get the show to the theater. I decided to go out and get my trucker's license, <laughs> which I did. And I now personally drive the semi on tour. 
So the cast drives in the bus and I drive the semi. And when we drive up with this 53 foot trailer, the, every theater always says, so where's Rick Thompson? They go, he's in the truck. And they go like, in the truck? He goes, yeah, he's driving it. They go, there's no way Rick Thomas is driving the truck. And sure enough. And another thing it does is saying a cliche at the end of the day. Uh, we 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 start out by uh, loading in in the morning, and we pre- present the show. We pack out the show, get in the truck, we take off to the next theater, and uh, I am exhausted. The cast exhausted, and it's also best that we kind of separate ourselves. Yes. So the cast can go and party. I always tell my cast, <laughs> if you work hard, you can play hard, and they play hard. So they get on the bus and they play all night. And my best place for Rick Thomas is inside the quiet cab of the semi driving silence. It's awesome. <laughs> so so it's, it's good. And, you know, and it's, and it's, been, it's given me a different career. I'll tell you, no, we hate to talk about COVID. I'm tired of talking about COVID. We all are. But during that part of our life, when I realized as an entertainer, I found out that I pretty much was worthless to the rest of the world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I decided at that point, man, I'm this close to getting out there and starting to just drive trucks because I can drive a semi for anybody. You want me to drive a semi for Amazon? I'll drive for Amazon, Walmart, you name it. And I'm just glad I have that as a profession as well. I so love, I love a that very long answer. I, but I love that drive. That's great. Yeah, go uh, ahead and answer your long answer. <laughs> That's I know it's a long answer, but you had to know as far as Rick Thomas being hands-on. Uh, well, that was oh my, my memory God. of you at the Trop because you were always involved in the advertising and designing the artwork and all of that. And I said, and I said to myself and to my colleagues, I said, this is the first artist we've had here that's this involved in every element of their show. And so it's yeah. good to know that not only have you kept that involvement, you've now gone into other fields such as driving trucks. That's great. Other fields. Now, and my parents are extremely happy that I actually have a real profession. Now, to tie it all together and, and make it come full circle, you could actually drive a truck at the Port of Long Beach. See, so That's right. I could do it as yeah. well. Yeah, absolutely. What's the hardest part of performing magic? I know you alluded a little bit to it in terms of there's a lot of work involved, the loading and unloading and the going from town to town, but... Is that it, or is there something else that I don't know about or we don't know about that's the hardest part of magic for you? I would say not about magic, but the entertainment world in general. I have never, ever felt comfortable at the beginning of a show, ever. For some reason, when I start my performance, I always wonder why in my head, why do I do this? Why do I put myself through this agony? It really is, to me, I'm... Um, butterflies, whatever you want to call it, it is there because I truly, truly want the audience to enjoy. I've given it everything I've got. That is the hardest part of my show. Building it clears my mind. Driving the trucks clears my mind. Booking the show, easiest part of it. When you have to perform the show, that's the worst part of doing a show is you actually have to now perform the show. Now, within five minutes after I've settled, (laughs) <laughs> and I find that the audience is uh, appearing to like me. <laughs> and the end of the show takes place and there's applause and I walk off stage at that very moment. That's when I know why I do what I do. I am a person. And you can say that to many people in Vegas and across this world. I commend everyone attempting to pull off these shows because those that get to the end of the show 
and actually hear the applause have accomplished great things. There are so many people that work so hard to get to the end of the show and never hear the applause because they quit. Yeah. And I just, in my head, I can't quit. I've got to get to the end of the show. I've got to hear the applause. And it's not about an ego. It's not about all Rick Thomas needs to hear. You know as well as I do. You know my 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 schedule. My schedule is do the show, and then immediately after the show, go straight out and shake everybody's hand after the show. Exactly. I meet and greet everyone, and that is not to hear. I don't need to hear how much they liked the show. I just want to thank people, and I appreciate them with all my heart for coming to the show. You also have an affinity for children as well, because a lot of magicians do more of a, I don't want to say an adult show per se, but it's just designed for adults. And, yes. And you have this special connection with children. Where did that come from? <laughs> Performing at fairs. Oh, yeah, that's right. And cruise ships, I guess there's a lot of kids. Oh, my. <laughs> well, so, so at fairs, I would do my, sh- you know, you ha- you're on an outdoor stage and then the, the show starts and the audience start pouring in and never fails. And it's the best way to put it. I think people will understand. There are a group of children that are at the fair the entire run. And we call them the Carney Kids. Because the carnival part of the fair, there are families. Mom and dad are running the carnival, and the children run all over the fairgrounds, right? Well, guess where those carny kids are every time when my show starts? In the front, sitting there watching the show. And by the time we end the show or the run, 10 days, four shows a day, whatever it is, those children know every single thing I'm doing. They start screaming out. Um, what, how they think it's done. Uh, I've seen that before, or let's do that again. And they're obnoxious. So I have this attitude and you probably, you'll, you'll see it when I'm presenting for children. There's this slight edge when I work with children on stage and it's because of my attitude I created working with the carnival children at fairs. Now I know the background. I never knew about that. That's interesting. I also, I, um, my performance is a little, I wouldn't say sarcastic, but because it's so family oriented, I, my mother forced me to perform at family reunions (laughs) and I really dislike that (laughs) massively. So I kind of pretend that the audience is my family. You know, there's uncle John over there. And so when I treat these children slightly poorly, they're like my cousins. (laughs) An audience of relatives. Oh, the worst nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Now, another Um, thing that Rick Thomas has been known for forever and I remember very, again, another memory that sticks in my mind because I got to hold a baby tiger uh, mm. before they got big. Uh, yes. I forget how many weeks yeah. old the tiger was, but you, you allowed me to do that. And I, I really was grateful because I never had a chance to do that before. But I know that you've given up tigers, but they're still part of your story. They're still part of your life. Tigers were 20 years of my life. And I look back on it now. People said, would you do it again? <laughs> my answer is no. <laughs> I've grown up. I, you know, as you, as you go through different chapters in your life, you realize that life is fragile. And you kind of decide on, man, when I was younger, you know, you don't think of, you think that you're invincible. You think that nothing Fearless. can happen to you. Right. And, and you go through these chapters in your life and you realize oh, that was stupid, but the, the tigers were not, they were a part of my life that I would, I would never want to have anything, but what I did, I was very proud of, you know, here's another thing, you know, how I jump into what I do. I, I learned everything I could about taking care of these animals. I had a beautiful habitat at my home. I did everything I could to do what was right. 
there was just a time in my life, the career, and of course, the world around us, where it was best I put them in a reserve, which I did, which is Keepers of the Wild right there um, off Route 66, just past Kingman, Arizona. And the tigers are there. And I'm very proud that they're still part of my life. But it trans it transformed from working with these animals and presenting them to the world to being part of the um, of taking care of them and the right. endangered species side of um, you know understanding what they truly are in the world around us and how how we really need to protect these animals. And you can read more about the story of Rick Thomas and the tigers on his website, rickthomas.com. So that it, it's an interesting and fascinating part of your career and just for audience that got a chance to see it too i think it had an impact when you come to the south point what do people look for when they see the show do you design it differently than the show that you do on world tours or in branson how how do you structure a show for las vegas and specifically the south point um when i when i came to branson uh i always wanted to create a show called mansion of dreams uh, and in fact, I think there's a, oh, if I go this direction, there he goes, Mansion of Dreams. <laughs> uh, there's a, um, I always wanted people to feel like they were at my home and that everybody in the audience were invited guests in my Mansion of Dreams. And then I take the audience throughout my mansion from room to room and share with them my life, my dreams, and how they became a reality. And, and you know, when I had my show in Vegas, I, I believe it was, uh, I was very excited about the production itself, but it needed depth. It needed some strength behind it. It needed a story. And for that reason, I believe that I'm very far different than most others because there is a theme, a presentation, and a style beyond the magic that the audience is going to enjoy. So the show over at South Point is much like my touring show, which is a version of my Mansion of Dreams here in Branson. So Branson has the massive production. I mean, there's sets and all different things that we can't tour with. Uh, and then I designed everything to digitally. In fact, I can tell you now at the South Point, there is an epic, if that's the best word for it, LED wall that plays behind me. And I've digitized the Mansion of Dreams and the video presentation behind me and the Mansion of Dream show is beautiful. So I can tell people you're going to enjoy not just the show itself, but really there is a grand quality to what I bring to the, the theater, and they're going to be uh, surprised. So Mansion of Dreams is what it's all about. The theme of the show is nothing happens until you dream, and I hope that as people leave the theater that they really, truly pursue following their dreams as well. And that's, again, I, I did mention it before uh, when I was talking about what you were bringing to the South Point, that's February 24th through 26th at 7.30, which is a good time also for people to come see Illusions. And it the greatest it's great. And I, it's been some time since I've been there. So for those that are, are listening and they hear my voice. Or I, watching you on I'm, YouTube either, too. And watching it. I can, uh, Vegas, there's, it has always been my life. When I moved to Branson, I never, <laughs> I tell people, part of my show in Branson is, I, I, when I came to Branson, I never planned on being here. I never <laughs> planned on performing here or driving through the area. But here I am in Branson, <laughs> and we fell in love with Branson. And after our first season, see, what happened is, is uh, over 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago, Andy Williams passed on. And an interesting story about Andy Williams. Look at the kind of man he is. For those that remember who he is, uh, a man who, who accomplished amazing things in the music industry. He had his own television specials. He traveled worldwide. He decided... When he went to Branson 
to move to Branson. And he fell in love with Branson, left everything in his life behind and went to Branson. And people go, what are you thinking? 10 years ago, when he passed on, I was asked to come out and um, headline the Andy Williams Theater. Beautiful 2000 seat theater. I get there and I realized at that point why Andy left the rest of the world behind him. And for me and my wife, Tara, uh, who uh, actually uh, came with me from Las Vegas, uh, fell in love with the area and decided to call Branson home. Branson, though, however, is seasonal. And it gives me a few months every year to travel the world, and that I do. And for that reason, that's why I have the privilege of coming back home to Las Vegas. Please, don't fail me. I'm not going to fail you. <laughs> Come see the show. <laughs> and I, I think that people who have never seen Rick Thomas will come to see you, but also people that used to see you in Las Vegas will come because they have, a, obviously, memories of not only... And, and you always were very effective with that, and it was very sincere, was, as you mentioned, after the show, I mean, I don't know how you beat the audience out to the front before the audience gets out of those doors, but you're there and you're shaking hands and taking pictures and signing autographs and meeting kids, even your relatives' kids. And you, <laughs> yes. and you just were very, and so people, rem, people remember that type of interaction. I, I think a lot of performers, unfortunately, don't want to do that for various reasons. Could be in their personality, just just the way it is. <laughs> it but. could be because they'd be attacked, you know. And, and look, I, every time I I do a show, there's always they always have a security guard with me, where they were on tour or right. anything else. And I kind of <laughs> laugh. I mean, you know, they're walking by me, and and you know, it may make me look important. But I always tell them, I said, I really don't need you. No one's going, no, no one's going to be trying to rip off my clothes, or you know, it, 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 as far as the superstar goes, I my career. I'm going to tell you a very special story. So if it's okay with you, and I know they both passed on, but Siegfried and Roy were what made Vegas today. Honestly, I believe they were the cornerstone of one of the grand shows in Las Vegas that have come and sadly gone. Siegfried came to my show one day. He was in his white suit. He had a white hat on. He came and he watched the show. At the end of the show, there were about 100, 200 people standing there, and I'm signing autographs. And I asked, I said, Siegfried, I said, how do you handle right there? How do you handle being who you are and living here in Las Vegas? Honestly. And he says, I'll show you. And he turns around and there's massive amount of people. And he says, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. And he's pushing people away. He's going right through the center of everybody. And I'm signing autographs, right? And he pushes, and he gets all the way to the tail end of everybody. He turns around. Everybody looks back at me, continuing to sign autographs. And he says from the back of the hall, you see, no problem. And he walks away. <laughs> and I, it was the, the point was, you are a superstar on stage. And in our profession, you know, sometimes people think it's all about the magic. But here's Siegfried, one of the grand stars in Vegas. But because he wasn't on stage, they just didn't happen to just see him. He could walk around without being mauled. So it, it was inter entertaining to me. It was a wonderful moment, and I'll never right. forget it. You see? No problem. It also and, gave uh, you some insight into that, too, as well. Yeah. So I now I tell people, said, I really don't need a security guard, but it's <laughs> nice that you're here. I think that Liberace did the same thing. He was able to walk around, and people didn't realize it was him. And by the time they realized it was him, he was gone. That's right. That's right. Jerry Lewis, same thing. You also, what Was that Jerry Lewis? Because they're not on stage, and so they're not sending out those performer vibes, I guess is what I would call it. 
Or it does happen every so often, though. Um, I was eating at an Italian restaurant in Las Vegas and had a friend uh, with me, and he said, "Rick, um, do people really?" <laughs> know who you are in Las Vegas? Do they, I mean, do they know? And I'm not kidding. At that very split moment, a couple comes right up to us at the table and goes, wow, Rick Thomas, can we get a photo with you and, and an autograph? And the guy looks at him and is like, really, Rick? I said, I didn't, I didn't right. pay for this. Right. I didn't do this. And, uh, and sure enough, we did a quick photo, but it was a wonderful moment, uh, a wonderful moment that, oh, that very instant. What I have to ask you this because I was thinking about this before we, we talked. I've never asked you the question before, which is why I'm doing this long preamble to the question. Normally, I don't do a preamble to a question. I just ask the question. But there's a reason why I'm asking the question. And now I've set the preamble. And that is, of all the illusions that you've performed on stage, either on the world tour, Las Vegas, France, it doesn't matter. What's your favorite illusion? Mm. That is a question that has actually been brought to my attention, and it's extremely difficult. As a person who is, has created much of what you see on my stage, I've given every illusion, my time, my effort, my love, <laughs> everything that I've got, and each one of them in some way or form have been important in my career. I have, um, I, I have pieces in the show that at some point they're the best thing of my show and it's just when i'm just presenting and performing every year it kind of changes i can't i can't answer that i, I wish i could but i truly believe and i'll put i'll say it this way there was one time i sent out a leaflet to everybody in the audience and i had every illusion listed and i was changing the show and I had everybody in the audience check. There were 10 illusions. And I said, in this show, will you watch the show and then check off what your favorite is from one to 10? And when I got the, when I got it back, literally somebody had one as a 10 and the second person who had seen the show had it as a four and someone had something as a five and something had a seven. And by the time I added everything up, it was all even. And the reason is, is everybody comes to the show wanted to see something, whether it's Grand Illusion, whether it is extreme comedy or production value and whatever it is and whatever it touches in that person, that's what they enjoy the best. But I think overall, the entire show, what frustrated me is it didn't give me it didn't even give me an idea about how to, how to change my show. Basically, it said, don't change your show. <laughs> that's, a, that's an honest answer. And that's fine. No, no, that's so, great. I, so if I, if I answered, I can tell you a couple things. One is... I love Grand Illusion. There's some things that are changing in the world of magic, especially in Las Vegas. Things have gone small with a camera on hands that are close up. I've been doing close up magic my entire existence. I started performing at uh, restaurants and uh, small theaters um, doing close up magic. So it is my passion, but my love is still for Grand Illusion. So you're going to see uh, a production where the magic is beautiful. It is large. It is flashy. Um, my wife, Tara, honestly, in my humbled opinion, is the finest partner you could ever ask for in the world of magic. She is stunning on stage. She came and tried out for my show in Las Vegas. And the story is simply she came from Zimbabwe, born and raised there her entire life. And she moved to um, Las Vegas and she tried out for my show. 
Interesting. And uh, my chore- my choreographer said, if you can't be in the show next week, leave the theater. And she walked out of the theater wow. and I stopped her. I stopped her and I said, why are you leaving? We had like 30 people trying out for the show. And uh, we walked. I walked up to her and I said, why are you leaving? She says, I'm from Zimbabwe. Um, I don't have a green card yet. And I said, when are you getting one? She goes about three or four weeks. And I said, good. I'll I'll pay you in three weeks. And I married her three years later. Amazing so story. that was my story in Vegas. You know what? That's a great way to leave it. I'm not going to ask any more questions. I, that, that, to me, was the best way to end it. My guest has been award-winning illusionist, Rick Thomas. He'll be performing at the South Point Casino February 24th through 26th, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 7.30. For ticket information, go to southpointcasino.com. And for everything about Rick Thomas, you can go to rickthomas.com. And you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And Rick, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. And by the way, I am now on TikTok. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> and <laughs> if TikTok. You want to see, you want to see a clip from the show? Yes, yeah, go, go to, to TikTok. TikTok. Okay. TikTok. Great. Thanks, Rick. See you then. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Happy.